following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. My name is Jordan, and um, my wife Bethany uh, plays the piano, and we just wanted to say Merry Christmas to you. It has been a year, hasn't it? Yesterday we were walking around our block in uh, long sleeve shirts and sweatpants, and I thought to myself, is this really Christmas? It's crazy. Um, but another season has come, and uh, here we are. And if you are new here, we just wanted to say um, welcome. And this, uh, at Community Gospel Church this week, is the one week where multiple people uh, blow off all the dust of the ties that they have in their closet and wear them. So if you didn't wear one, don't worry about it. We normally don't wear them either, Uh, but here we are. We're in the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament. If you haven't found it yet, there's a table of contents. You can go ahead and look uh, that up. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You have Acts and Romans in the New Testament, so that's on the right-hand side of your Bible. And uh, we're in Romans 5. Big numbers are going to be the chapters. Smaller numbers are going to be the verses. I was going through with a friend of mine um, just where we're at as a church and what we've been dealing with and, and just what's been going on. And as we were talking, I said, the more that I study Scripture, the more that I'm painfully aware of my sin, the more it just kind of like screams at me. Uh, this whole past year just feels like God's voice has constantly been like, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and you need to fix this, and then it's validated through my wife and my kids. (laughs) And then I go back into the scriptures, and I say, Lord, I'm a sinner, and he says, you are. And as the sin of my life pops off the pages of the text, it's covered in God's never-ending mercy and grace. When you're a child of God, when you've confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the never-ending mercy and grace just comes in like a flood. It's so clear. God loves us. He takes care of us. Think of all that you have gone through this past year. Has the Lord not provided? Has he not been faithful? Has he not been good through it all? Of course, we would look at it and we'd say it wasn't always easy, but it's always worth it. Through faith in Christ, we're forgiven of sin We're giving undeserving grace, 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 God's grace that's greater than all of our sins. Even though we're wretched and helpless, God opened up his arms of love to us. And that's what Paul is going to talk about in Romans chapter 5. And we've been kind of cherry picking through scripture this year. Next year, we're actually going to go through um, the the story in in Advent. We're going to hit the gospel stories. We're going to do that um, unless the Lord comes back and calls uh, us, us home. Um, we obviously won't. We'll do that in heaven. How about that? Um, but we've been hitting on these, these words, uh, peace and, and joy and love and uh, hope in regards to Advent. We've been talking about some of that. And uh, this is really a culmination of all of those words. So I know each week of Advent holds a theme depending on where you have, have come from or how you were raised. This is kind of our culmination of all of those things. What is the book of Romans and, and why is it in the biblical text? Well, Paul writes a 
letter, and that's the Apostle Paul. Some of you might be familiar with him. Some of you maybe not. Uh, Paul was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, way back in the book of Acts, we learned about that. And then he goes from persecuting Christians to populating the church because he meets Jesus face to face, the risen Christ. And it's, it's such a dramatic, uh, dramatic encounter. Paul goes blind and they take him away. And um, this, this chief of all Pharisees, who probably had the majority of the Old Testament text memorized, uh, comes to know Jesus and he explains the text to the disciples and to all of the followers of Christ. And he populates one third of the text in the New Testament. And so this, uh, this letter that we have here, this letter called Romans, is, is just that. It's a, it's a letter to the church that is gathered in Rome. And Paul never got a chance, as we know, to visit that church. He was a church planner, but as far as we know, he never got a chance to, to see it. And so he writes from Corinth, and some of you might be familiar with Corinth. Corinth is where we get the letters of first and second Corinthians, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so he writes about 57 years after Jesus has died and, and risen and ascended to the right hand of God. Uh, the political kind of scene that's going on here, there's an emperor. His name is Nero. He's just taken control. Um, for those of you that know church history, Nero was an extremely harsh individual to Christians, um, but it hasn't happened yet. He's kind of just taking place in regards to his political seat. And so believers uh, aren't really experiencing persecution. They're in a relative time of peace here. And the Church of Rome, their biggest problem was uh, basically the Church of America's problem. They needed a strong dose of doctrine. They needed a really strong dose of the truth. And they needed to be reminded of the truth. And they needed to be called back to the truth. So Paul writes the most clear, systematic presentation of the gospel. And he uh, unpacks this in a way that is so clear. I know a lot of people, if you are new to church, for lack of a better word, and you're kind of trying to figure out this Jesus guy, uh, a lot of people will put you in the gospel of John. I'm going to put you right in the book of Romans, where it says, for by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works, which is Ephesians. But Paul unpacks that in a way that's very tangible in Romans chapter 2 and 3. And so uh, here, the central theme of Romans is that God is righteous, even though we're sinners. And Paul spends the entire letter uh, defining and elaborating on that theme, on how righteousness can be obtained. It's called imputed to us through Christ. And we can experience that as the life of a believer. So this is all what we call sound doctrine. Sound doctrine results in sound living. And sound living is going to be found through faith in Christ. For those of you who are a little older than I am, you probably know about Chuck Swindoll, uh, but Chuck Swindoll said the union between doctrine and life illustrates for believers the absolute importance of both what we believe and how we live out those beliefs. And I know Christmas season is a time where a lot of people populate the church uh, just, just once. Some people come twice, Easter and Christmas. Um, but here, I mean, we're going to be as clear as we possibly can that God wants a relationship with us, but he also wants us to live out that relationship. And there are people in your life who are called Christians who might not have done a good job doing that. And so we apologize for that, and we're going to strive to set the record straight. Does our, this is a good question from Chuck, does our day-to-day -day life mirror the beliefs that we hold? Those of you who are gathered here at Community Gospel, who are faithful and you attend here week after week, ask yourself that question. Does my day-to-day -day life mirror the beliefs that we hold? That could be the best Christmas present that you give to Christ in 2024. That you would live out and mirror the beliefs that you hold that are biblical 
and find yourselves uh, kind of overcoming hypocrisy. So take heed, we learn, we apply the doctrine of Romans well. So today, our whole goal is to unpack for the believers and those of us who are curious the two blessings of being justified. And I'll talk about justification in just a second. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 5. Like I said, big numbers are going to be the chapters. Small numbers are going to be the verses. Therefore, verse 1, since we have been justified. That's a key word. Circle that. Yes, you can write in your Bibles. I don't care what grandma said. You can 100% write in your Bibles. Okay, <clears throat> Justified by faith that we have peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you believe that, all the people said, amen. Amen. That's, that's a good truth. That's, that's the truth. You have peace with God and access to his grace. Now, point one is kind of point one A and point one B. Okay, those two things kind of work together. So in the previous chapter, Paul has talked about Father Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons. Yeah, some people just love that, right? Like, they, they get that. Next year, we're going to talk about Genesis, and you can sing that all you want, all right? So, <clears throat> Paul's talked about this man named Abraham. His name was Abram. He believed in faith in God. So, faith is not a new concept. And Paul talks about Abraham and how he could have boasted about himself, but instead, he credits his righteousness for believing and trusting God in all things. You are only righteous when you believe in faith. In the heavenly father through the blood of Christ that was shed. So Paul says, because of Abraham's faith, we too are able to have peace with God and access to his grace. Now, let's define peace with God through faith and that peace that comes from being able to access his grace. What does justification mean? That's a huge church word. I know Jessica does this with the littles. She says church word and they say... There we go. All right. So glad I'm paying attention in children's ministry. <clears throat> Circle that word justified. Justified means pronounced or treated as righteous. For a believer, justification is the act of God where he both forgives sin and then he imputes upon us righteousness. He imputes his righteousness. He puts it on us. You believe in faith? God puts his righteousness upon you. Now, righteousness through faith in Christ is not something that we work for. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It is for by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of works. So when I trust in Christ, I'm first and foremost declared righteous, and then I am freed from the guilt of sin through faith in Christ. Some of you are dealing with guilt, heavy guilt. And if you find yourself underneath the blood of Jesus, you need to let that go. You need to let that go. Justification, when implemented, is first and foremost the assurance of our salvation. We need to be reminded daily that we've been justified by God's grace. It is not just a message for Advent season. It is a message for the entire year, 365 days a year. I need to wake up and I need to say, Lord, thank you so much that I'm a child of God through faith in Christ. Then, after that, it's a motivation to do good works. We call this worship. So justification, being justified from my sins, moves into sanctification, the process of being set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I'm set apart for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I have assurance of an eternal home in heaven. He is preparing a place for me because I'm a believer. 
So notice, you have justification, you're justified of your sins. Sanctification, you're set apart to do good works, we call the worship. And then you're looking forward to the hope that is to come, and that is our eternal home. John Stott said, what God said to Abraham was not obey this law, and I will bless you, but he said, I will bless you if you believe in my promise. You have to believe that the gift was for you. So there's no ritual, sacrament, deed that can make us worthy of righteousness of Christ. So even if you don't come to the Christmas Eve service tonight, it's still there, all right? But I think it's a good idea. I think you should, okay? It's only by his grace in response to our faith that God has credited holiness of his son to us. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament, old promise, new promise, declare the just shall what? Live by faith. So we live in a constant dependence upon faith. Now, how do I do that? All right, justified by faith. If I'm justified by faith, look at uh, the second part of verse one. Then I have peace with God. If I'm justified by faith, I have peace with God through who? What's the verse say? Through myself? No. Through Jesus. I have peace with God through Jesus. Now, a better translation of that is let us have peace with God or let us keep on in the sense of enjoying peace with God. See, it's one thing to be justified of your, fa- of, 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 uh, your sin. When we ask believers, we say, are you enjoying your relationship with Jesus? Like, do you enjoy spending time with Jesus? I think sometimes we would say, no, he's kind of weird and he's awkward. And he constantly calls me to do things that I don't want to do. Well, he does that because he loves you. He does that because he cares about you. So when we see the word peace, it means to bind together that which has been separated. It means believers have a sense of inner rest, well-being, and harmony with God because he's reconciled us through faith in Christ. And as believers, we don't make peace. God's already done that. We enjoy peace. We enjoy peace. And there's sometimes, in our society, what we do is we try to silence that peace with the things of this world. We say to ourselves, well, if I just have this or if I just do this, then surely I'll be at peace. And God says, how's that working out? (laughs) Prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 32, verse 17, he gives us this. He says, and the work of righteousness will be what? It will be peace. And the service of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. I can have confidence because I have peace with God. Peace is the opposite of war. That means for us as believers, God has nothing against us. When you're justified by faith, it means you're no longer in a war or battle against God. I have to tell myself this all the time too, amen? Like I constantly am like, Lord, I'm fighting you. He's like, no, you're fighting yourself. (laughs) And you can stop anytime you want. In fact, the opposite is true. God says he fights for us. So if you have no peace with God, that's on you. That's not on God. And you'll see it manifest in the next couple of days with some of the relatives and loved ones that you have that don't have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 2. He says, Through him we have also, so this is an addition, I love this, obtained access by your faith into the grace in which you stand. And we rejoice in the hope 
of the glory of God. Now, what does that mean? Being justified by faith, having peace with God through Christ, means we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand. Paul says it a very similar way in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. He said, for through him we both have access or our access in one spirit to the Father. He continues the thought in Ephesians 3, verse 12, where he says, so we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. So what Paul's essentially saying here is, you stand in the grace of God. Well, give me some way to remember that. All right, grace, acronym, God's riches are available at Christ's expense. God's riches are available at Christ's expense. It means that believers are permanently fixed like a boat to a dock. And God's grace is the dock that provides security to us. We cannot be severed from God's loving acceptance of us in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It says, you are accepted in the beloved. That means that anything that God would do for his son, he will do for you. Wrap your mind around that concept. Anything that God would do for his son, he would do it for you. You're accepted in the beloved. No sin can separate our position of standing firm in God's grace when we're justified because we're justified once and for all time. And so, look what Paul says. He says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God as our hope is built on nothing less but Christ and his righteousness. Now, here's the deal. It says, we rejoice in hope. I think sometimes, as believers... We need to tell our face what our heart has accepted. Because we walk around and we're like sad, right? Droopy dog, for those of you who remember that. You look like my basset hound, Frank. I'm walking around all droopy. Are you sad? Yeah, I guess I'm sad. You have it good, my friend. You get to sleep 23 out of 24 hours a day. You get food, water, shelter. I'll take you for walks. I just gave you a bath. You got it good, man, I guess. Dear Lord, make me not like my basset hound when it comes to knowing you. Let me rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and I'm a child of God. No gift that you could give me at Christmas is greater than the gift that I have received through faith in Christ. And Paul continues, look at verse 3. He says, all right, we got peace with God. We got access to his grace when we're justified of our sins. Confess with our mouth, believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Verse 3. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Whoa, 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 hold on a second. You mean to tell me? When I come into relationship with Jesus, I'm going to suffer? What kind of present is this? Knowing that suffering is going to produce endurance. So you have peace with God and access to his grace, and that gives you the ability to rejoice in tribulation. Do you know somebody in your family who's always excited? Do you have that person in your family? I have that person in my family. It just seems like everything that I do, I can't get them to just go off the rocker, right? Just to be negative about something. And I've tried. And I realize that I'm not that person in my family who's always excited about things. And I realize that I need that person in my family who's going to remind me to rejoice in tribulation. Look at verse 3. Believers enjoy peace with God by being justified by faith, rejoicing in hope of being in God's presence. Now, how can we as believers rejoice in the difficulties of life? And some of you in this room are dealing with some massive difficulties. Pastoring, community gospel, 
and praying for you on a daily basis. I know some of you are dealing with some big stuff. And Paul says, we're to rejoice. That word rejoice means exalt over afflictions, distress, and pressures. James said it like this in James chapter 1, verse 2. He said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. How in the world do I do that? How are we supposed to rejoice in our sufferings, looking for the hope or expectation of future glory as a believer? Well, Paul says it. Verse 3, number 1. He says, know that your suffering produces endurance. In other words, he says, suffering is normal for us as believers. Now, Paul had a friend. His name was Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas are uh, people who go and they preach in several cities. And what they do is if you go and you read the book um, of Acts, you'll realize that they just constantly like encourage the believers. They show up. They encourage the believers. They're experiencing persecution. They encourage them. In Acts chapter 14, verse 21, it says they returned to Lystria, Icodium, and Antioch. And they strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith. And they said to them, we must go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. The Greek says, what did you expect? I'm just kidding. For those of you who don't know Greek, like, that's whatever. That was a joke that I tried. It didn't work. Uh, if I was in the seminary, they'd be like, oh, that's so funny. All right, moving along. Um, I guess not today. All right. The key that Paul learns in going through suffering was the ability to rejoice because he realized that every time he suffered, perseverance was gained. Now, there's an old commercial out there um, from a popular shoe company. And it showed a couple of people in the gym and on the track and um, at the end of the game and all this other stuff. And they would get to the, to the end and they would say, let's do one more. And these guys would be like sweating and they'd bend over and the sweat would pour off their face. And they'd be like, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. That's exactly what is happening and transpiring for Paul and Barnabas as they're encouraging the Christians. They're saying, let's do one more. Oh, you went through sickness. You had problems. You had pain. Let's do one more. Oh, you got family problems. People are uh, at the end of their road in life. You're dealing with relationship hardships. Let's do one more. It's the ability to face difficulties without giving in. For believers, suffering does not deny the reality of God's love, but it affirms it. And if you would go back, and if you would look at all the things that happened and transpired in 2023, you would see that your suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ created in you endurance that you might not have seen. The character quality of perseverance, which is endurance, isn't the end of itself. It's a step in the process that strengthens our hope. If you are in a hardship this season, realize that you can go one more. Because when you go one more, your endurance goes up a notch. And when your endurance goes up a notch, that's called perseverance. And perseverance leads to maturity. It also leads to something else. Look at verse 4. He says, And endurance produces character, and your character produces hope. We'll get to hope in just a second. Endurance means that we have maturity as a believer. Now, that word character, if you want to circle that in the Greek, that actually does mean approved as a result of testing. A person with character is known for inward qualities, not outward. Now, here's the thing. Let me just just track with me just for a second, church. Your relationship with the Lord is always going to start internal until it's manifested externally. Just, Just know that, right? If you have the opportunity to 
perceive what is transpiring in your world and you see a problem surface externally, it's really a problem internally. If you can change what's going on internally, you can change what's going on externally. But it has to start internally. And that's where we see endurance producing character. That's where the maturity starts to take place, all right? So there's a progression, suffering to endurance, endurance to character. Suffering's like pressure that's put on carbon that produces a diamond. I love what Foreman says about this, not George Foreman, by the way, a different Foreman. Uh, he says, we rejoice in suffering, not because pain in itself is good, but because it's the engraver's tool which God creates lines of beauty on life. I do not understand why people try to get rid of their smile lines. You know what I'm talking about? You know what smile lines are? It's when you smile and you get like the crow's feet or whatever they call them too. Like wrinkles are a gift, my friend. Wrinkles are God's given gift to you to show that you've gone through some things and you're still here. You should welcome those things. Put Botox on the bottom of the list. You don't need that. I want people to see my smile lines and my crow's feet and all my wrinkles so they can see that I've been through some stuff. And I came out better on the other side. So as we persevere in trials and get some more wrinkles, God's character is being formed. He is producing character within us. God is working, Romans chapter 8, verse 29, to the likeness of his son. So if we endure, if we see God work through the difficulties, the result is an increased faith, hope, and love. So difficulties of life in your life are not random. They're not meaningless. They're not wasted when you trust in the Lord. You can rejoice during suffering to increase endurance and strengthen your character, and that leads to hope. Like, welcome the wrinkles of life. They're so good for you. Because we know that character produces hope. Look at the second part at verse 4. The character produces hope. John MacArthur said it just like this one time. He said, excuse me, he said, the more a believer pursues holiness, the more he's persecuted and troubled, and the greater will be his hope as he is sustained through it all by God's powerful grace. In the Old Testament, it's written in Hebrew, the word hope means confidence and security. Job knew it, the psalmist knew it, and Ecclesiastes knew it. In the New Testament, the Greek word hope builds off that Old Testament Hebrew word, and it says hope is the confident expectation and assurance of God's promises based upon a sure foundation, which is faith in Christ, for which we wait with joy and full confidence of our heavenly home. Biblical hope is not a feeling. It's kind of like our faith. Faith is not a feeling. It's a confident reality that we have. To accept the gospel means our hope is no longer filled with doubt, but it's grounded in God's word, his character, and the finished work of Christ. I trust in it. I stand in it. I stand on it. I look at it, and I realize what Paul says in the letter to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that faith and hope and love are at the heart of a believer's life. And those are not emotions. Those are realities. Our relationship with God begins with faith, It helps us to realize we're delivered from our past and it grows in our sanctification process as we learn all about what God has in mind for us, which gives us a promise of future. It's okay, church. It is okay to pray, Lord Jesus, would you come back today? Nothing wrong with that. 
And God's love fills our lives and gives us the ability to reach out to others. Since faith and hope and love are essential characteristics of a believer's life, their opposites, which are doubt and despair and hatred, can devastate any relationship with God. So we guard against them, and we help those who struggle with all of those feelings that we can't avoid, and we say we no longer feel. I love what William Jenkins says, great commentator. He said, hope is the mother of patience. And if you pray for patience, it is something that God will always give you. It's the one gift that he throws out in droves. And when we are patient, we realize where our hope lies. But I love this. Look at verse 5. Paul closes kind of this passage, and he says, Our hope does not put us to shame. Religion will put you to shame. It doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into where? Our hearts. That's the believer. He's speaking to the believer there through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He gave you a new spirit. Paul says, our hope in God's promises will never disappoint us because they'll always be fulfilled. When our hope is in the Lord, his word, his will, his ways, we are absolutely assured that he will fulfill all that he has promised. Will you always get what you want? No. No, you will not. If you're here and this is like your Christmas and Easter, like uh, pop in, it's all about Jesus. And the things that you're looking for are different than the gospel. It's because the gospel is our hope. It is a promise that is fulfilled by God. Paul mentioned in verse 2 that that primary looks to the future when we share in God's glory. This hope, maturing product of a life trusting in God, focuses on more immediate experience of God's love. So hope for the believer in Jesus includes a future worth rejoicing over and a present that will not disappoint us either. Why? Look at the passage. He says, because God's love has been poured into the heart of the believer through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, been given to you. Christ's death on the cross, track with me, was sufficient for the entire world. But it is only efficient for those who would believe in him. Christ died for the entire world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was a gift to the world. But it is only efficient for those who would put their faith and trust in him. Hope, love, joy, peace is available to us who believe, who trust. They're our gifts. Just as a Roman believer had peace and access of God's presence, we are filled with the Holy Spirit who gives us a continual assurance of God's love and continues to encourage us as we hope in the Lord. I love what Paul wrote to, second, uh, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. God has anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So let me ask you a question this Advent season, this Christmas Eve. You accepted that gift? You put your faith and trust in that gift? It is good news as we close out this year that I do not have to walk alone. It is for by grace that you have been saved through faith. And for those of us who believe, we place our faith and hope in what God has in store for us coming up next. 
We're confident in our assurance of the fact that he who began a great work in you will continue that until he comes back or calls you home. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you today. We teach your word because it's truth. And all of the things that are outlined in Romans 5 remind us of peace and joy and love and hope. And if you are here this morning and do not have a relationship with God through faith in Christ, do not leave this place until you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Make today the day of redemption. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I put my faith and trust in you. And some places will tell you that Jesus comes and he lives inside of your heart. Jesus gives us a new spirit. He says the old is gone and the new has come. And he permeates every part of your being. And he convicts and he teaches. And he says there will be some suffering. But that suffering will produce endurance. And the endurance will produce confidence. And the confidence will produce hope. And it is always worth it to be in a relationship with God through faith and trust in his son Jesus. That gift came to us so long ago. It is available and accessible to you. And at some point, when Jesus does come back, the second advent, the second coming, both those hands will drop. The welcoming of God to come into his family, to be called his children, and the withholding back of judgment. Make today the day of your salvation. For those of us, Lord, who know you, we trust in you, we do confess that we've made this season not about you sometimes. We do not look with confident expectation to the fact that you will come again. We do not look at the situations and circumstances in our life as opportunities to grow. So for the people who I know just who are in a hard season, who are just experiencing pain, trouble, hardship, I pray, Lord, that peace that passes all understanding that can only come from you would just permeate every part of their being. I pray, Lord, that you would rejoice, that you would give to them the joy of their salvation. Refill them, restore them. Help them to see that you're in this, that you're sovereign, that you're working, that you're moving, not just in that situation, but in their heart too as well. And for those of us who are having a season where things are great, Lord, we rejoice in that too as well. We ask that you would help us in all seasons of life to worship you, to give praises to you, the giver of every perfect gift. And we pray with confident expectation, come Lord Jesus. We pray for the second advent. And until that day happens, and until that day comes, we will worship you in spirit and in truth with everything that we think, say, and do. It's in your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, 
Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.